Let's see, what are we going to talk about today? Got a good subject we can talk about. You have a Bible? No? There's one in the pew right in front of you. Church Bible, and it'll be the same kind that I'm using, so it'll help you. Old Schofield Reference Bible. And when you get it, turn to the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Just about everyone, sooner or later, gets to hear about the, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Well, I want to say a few things about it, but I got something that I wanted to share with you. And one that there's one of these boys, there was two of them. One, there were some things that he did not lose. And there's another son that there were some things that he never had. So you say, well, what is that? Well, that's why I'm going to talk to you about it. So it's going to take me the whole hour and a half, three hours. So you just have to fashion your seatbelt and hang on. The book of Luke in chapter 15, there was a question that came up. And they wanted to know because, you know, the Lord has a way of reading people's minds. It says there in verse 1 of Luke chapter 15, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. Now the publicans, the old tax collectors, you know, the down and outers, they would come and hear Christ. But then there was uh, the snobs, you know, the super-duper religious individuals, the, the long-nosed Pharisees. They look down their nose at everybody else and think they're better than what they are, you know. And in verse 2, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. This man receiveth sinners. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's the only kind of people there are. They're all sinners, but some people don't know they are. How many of you in here know that you are a sinner? Let me see your hand. Okay, how many of you don't know you are? Well, you are, you just don't know it. But everybody is a sinner. That means you're not perfect. Oh, so you're perfect. Well, nobody in this world is perfect except the Lord. We're all sinners, and Christ receiveth sinners. That's good news. But he gets into a little dissertation here about three different illustrations about something being lost. And he's really answering the question about why does he receive these sinners. So I want you to kind of jump over to another portion of Scripture that kind of um, breaks down these two individuals so that when we go back there to study the two sons, you'll have a better picture of it. So look there in chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and look there in verse 9. Now remember, this was written almost 2,000 years ago, and you would think, well, nobody would be like that today. But notice in verse 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now get what he said. He spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So there's people who are religious. They trust in themselves that they're righteous. And therefore, they know they're good enough to go to heaven because look how good I am. Well, I go to church and I read the Bible and I pray and I do all these good deeds. And so Christ is talking to those people that think they're righteous because of their good deeds, the way they live. Isn't it true that there's a lot of people who go to church 
just so they can look down their nose at other people who are not as good as they are. And they don't give as much as they do. And they don't dress as nice as they dress. And you despise other people. You better be careful. There's a God in heaven that knows truth. And he knows the heart and motive of every individual. And he knows why you do what you do. And he makes a statement here. He's going to tell a story. In verse 10, he says, two men. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one a publican. Now, the Pharisee is the law keeper. You know, the goody-goody two-shoes. He does everything right. He keeps the law. He walks around in his nice, big, long, flowing robe. And, you know, he has the phylacteries and all these embroidery things around it. And, I mean, he, he really looks the part. And he loves to walk down the street and pray long, pretentious prayers in front of everybody so everybody know how holy he is. God says... He's a hypocrite. He does it just to be seen, but it's not real. But now notice what he says here. In verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I'm so much better. I'm so good. Look at me. I'm not like everybody else. Oh, this is what he's saying, just a little Yankeeology here. But he says, I am not as other men are, extortioners and unjust adulterers, or even as this old tax collector, this publican. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. Now, Jesus is telling the story. And Jesus says there's people like this, and he was saying this to certain ones that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Did you know that if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, you're not good enough to go? You cannot earn your eternal salvation. You cannot work your way to heaven by your good deeds. But are there people that are doing that? I mean, 2,000 years after he said it, people are still doing it. And they believe that they're good enough because of how righteous they are. And then people begin to exalt themselves and look how good I am. Then you have to despise others who don't live as good as you do. Well, so he says there in verse 12, he begins to brag just a little bit. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now there's another man that was there. And things weren't going too good for him. You see, the Bible says that we're all sinners, and that there is no different. I mean, there's not the, the righteous and then the unrighteous in life. As though some people, well, they're better than other people, and therefore they're closer to heaven than what you are, because you might be down here on the bottom. God says there's no difference. God says you're all sinners. Only God is perfect. And we've come short of God's perfection. So therefore, when they're despising others because they're not as good as, they don't see themselves the way God sees them. So in their own eyes, they exalt themselves and humble others. So he makes this statement here in verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I'm not worthy. 
I'm just a sinner. He at least he knew what he was. He was a sinner. He knew he wasn't good enough. He didn't cry out for justice. He just says, mercy, mercy. And then he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A sinner. So he understood he was a sinner. And this Pharisee that was so goody-goody thought he was so righteous. And the truth of the matter is, it was just the opposite. Just the opposite in God's eyes. God says that that man, that publican, went down to his house justified. Look what he says there in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. Didn't say he was justified more than the other one, but the other one wasn't justified at all. You see, the only way you and I can ever get to go to heaven is because we admit to God, Lord, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I am not worthy. I want mercy. I don't want to go to hell. That's why Christ died to pay for the sins of the whole world so that anyone who believed that he did it for them, God would give them as a free gift everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life and all my sins are paid, then where will I go when I die? To heaven. This is why, understand, Christ was born into the world. He lived a totally perfect, righteous life. I was born into the world. I lived a totally sinful life. But what Christ did is he swapped with me. He took my sins, and he says, when I believe that he did it for me, he gives to me his righteousness. If God gave me his righteousness, that would make me as righteous as God. Now, is that good enough to go to heaven on? Yes, it is. I'm not going to heaven because I'm so good. I'm going because he is so good. He loves me so much, and he's given me the free gift of everlasting life. And that's, uh, that's good news. Now, go back to the story. You see, back there in chapter 15, he makes this statement there in verse 3. He spake this parable unto them. So he tell them another story here. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? Christ says that he came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. He came looking for the lost. God only had one son and he was a, a missionary. He came looking for the lost. That's why when we want to serve the Lord, so we always talk about we need to reach the lost, reach the lost, reach the lost. In other words, they're lost. Where are you going to die? Well, I don't know. You're lost. Ask me, Yankee, where are you going to die? I'm going to heaven. I'm not lost. Well, I have been lost. I've been lost a lot of time. I am so thankful for GPS. <laughs> I wish I'd have had them years ago. One time I was driving, <laughs> I think it was going up the panhandle of Florida, and my wife, she wakes up in the middle of the night, and she looks over there, and lo and behold, there's, there's Yankee. Set behind the wheel driving. Sound asleep. <laughs> driving 70 miles an hour down the highway. I went to several towns and had no clue. I thought I was still waiting to get to the town, and I had fell asleep and went to, through two towns. 
I can't explain how that I stayed awake, but my angels have put in for transfers. See, everybody has guardian angels. I got more than most people. But you'll understand here, some things are lost just by ignorance. You know, just go astray. And sometimes, you know, little kids, they get away from mommy and daddy. They don't, they don't think. They just do whatever they want to do at the time. And next thing you know, where are the kids? I don't know where he is. They've gone astray. The Bible talks about sheep go astray. Well, here's a sheep that's uh, gone astray, and that's lost. So he says, you go try to find that one sheep. And you search for it till you find it. See, they asked the question, why do you eat with sinners? Why do you receive sinners? Because he came to seek that which was lost. You see, a sinner that is a sinner, knows he's a sinner, needs a Savior. People that are so good and so righteous and I'm better than you are, I don't need a Savior. So they don't trust Christ. You trust Christ when you know you need one. But many people, they don't know their real need. Church cannot save you. Giving money cannot save you. Now, if you want to give us some, that'd be fine. But it ain't going to get you to heaven. Eternal life is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So he makes a statement here in verse 5, And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. You know, when the guy called me up on the phone this week, his wife had passed away. He considered me to be his pastor, and she did too, and I talked to her on the phone many times. But next thing you know, she was in the hospital and in intensive care and then in rehab. So I did the funeral yesterday. Did you know whenever I'm going to do a wedding or a funeral, I just look at, I get a chance to go fishing. Now, you know what I'm going to do this morning? I'm going to try to feed each one of you just a little bit, but I'm also going fishing. Somebody asked me, do you like to fish? Oh, yes. But you see, the kind of fish I'm after... Uh, they're, they're, they're people. They're people. I go fishing. And I thank the Lord for every opportunity I get to go fishing. Because I might catch somebody. Now, sometimes we like to catch the big fish. And sometimes we forget about the little fish. Do you know those little fish grew up to be big fish? I like to win little children to the Lord. And teenagers to the Lord. But you know the hardest people to catch is those old folks. Because they're set in their ways. They even become hard-headed. Ever met anybody like that? Yeah, I said, yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, I know. So he says there in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. So he's talking about here's these Pharisees and they think they're so good, they don't need a Savior. But there's always someone that says, yeah, I, I, need, I need to be saved. I, I was one of those a few years ago. I knew I was lost. And that's really what broke me down. I used to think I was good enough to go to heaven. But after my father-in-law talked to me and showed me the Bible, I knew I wasn't. And that hurt. Especially whenever you're talking about your pride. You mean I'm not good to go? <laughs> no. I thought I was. 
So you notice what he says there in verse 8. You see, some things are lost because of just plain carelessness. Here's a woman that has a diary, you know, so when she gets married, she got this thing. So she got this ten pieces of silver. She loses one piece, does not light a hot candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. When she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors, saying, Hey, rejoice with me. I found the piece that was lost. And there's joy, joy, joy. Because something was lost, I found it. If you lost a million dollars, would you try to find it? Now, now, I don't mean this in a bad way now, but I was raised out in the country. Uh, even when Betty and I ran away and got married, when we came back, we lived with my mom for a while because I didn't have a job, didn't have a place to live, and didn't have any money. But she wasn't used to living in the house like we lived in. You see, we had the water. We had running water. You had to run and get it. We had a pump outside. And our bathroom facilities was a two-seater outside in the dark. And you had to carry a flashlight with you, and you had to be careful where you put it or you'd lose it, especially if you had a two-seater. Now, one time I dropped a nickel in the outhouse. But there's no way this boy's going down there for a nickel. So I threw a quarter in there. <laughs> and since I got to go down and get the quarter, I might as well get the nickel while I'm there. Now that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. But sometimes when you're looking for that one lost sheep, you'd be surprised. You might get a bunch of lost sheep. So when we had about 15 or so trust the Lord yesterday, you can imagine I was in hog heaven. That is joyful. That is such a wonderful thing. But you know, something's lost, and then you've got to find it. Now, I want you to look there now in verse 11. Because he says, a man had two sons. Now, these two sons is going to be a picture of the Pharisee and the sinner. The Pharisee, that old publican. What we read about in chapter 18. It's, it's a good picture of it. So if you understand it, you can understand this a little bit better. Uh, there was one son, look here in verse 11. He, a man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divideth unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. So if this happened to the younger son, their chances are his older brother was not a very good older brother. He was probably a little on the dictatorial side, probably filled with a little pride, probably looked down his nose at his brother. And he didn't change because he didn't see how bad he was. He didn't see that what he did could have helped drive his younger brother out of the house. And you'll see that in just a second. So I wondered, here's a father with two sons. If a man loves his children, he loves his kids. And so he probably taught and trained them a lot of stuff. There were things that they knew about what's right and what's wrong. Probably truth that was embedded in their mind that they would have a conscience that would work for them. That they could discern, make good decisions. 
They also knew that they're going to inherit what daddy had. But so they had to have a daddy who had quite a bit because daddy had servants and all that, you know. And they're going to inherit what daddy has. But the younger son also knows that um, usually whenever the daddy dies, that all goes to the number one son. But why he was able to say, well, whatever I can get, the heart that falls to me, whatever I have, the younger son decided to leave home. And it wasn't a pretty picture. You see that in verse 12? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. In other words, get as far away as he probably could. So when he got away, you know, whenever you have just been given something, did you realize that if somebody just gives you a bunch of stuff, if you don't really appreciate it, it don't take long for it just like water just goes right through your hands. Easy come, easy go. So far, God has blessed me. He's not allowed me to inherit anything. I've often thought about it. I had this one guy, he was in church, and he says, Preach, I want you to pray. Pray hard. I says, why? He says, because if I win the lottery, I'm going to give 10% to the church. No, I don't play the lottery. I don't believe in any form of the gambling. I just don't like it. I don't want to take and get to where i got to, you know, chase the big dreams of getting rich quick. A lot of people just live that way. Well, that's, that's fine. Do whatever you want to do. I, it's not for this boy. And I'm not going to pray that you win the lottery. Because it would be a shame that that's how God has to support his work is by you winning the lottery. So don't even come and ask me to do it for you. I'm not going to do it. So he says here in verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, we can imagine a little bit about what that means and what it refers to. And evidently, uh, the older brother already had a clue what he was doing and how he was living. Because he throws it up to him later. So anyway, verse 14. You see, when you run away from that which is right, you'd be surprised how quickly you go downhill, 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 downhill. That's what happened to Jonah when he ran from the Lord. When you don't serve God like you should, you'd be surprised at things that will happen in your life, and it just seems like one thing after the other just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So he says here in verse 14, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Isn't this a perfect little setup for a little Jewish boy? Feeding the swine. The hogs, pigs. I was talking in Sunday school. I think it was Sunday school. I was talking about slopping the hogs. Well, that's just what you do. We've done a lot of that. And sometimes all the leftovers for a week, put it in a trough, and hogs just seem like they just go wild over slop. That's why they call it slop the hogs. So he says here, he began to be in want. And in verse 16, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, that no man and no man gave unto him. In other words, uh, I've seen people that rebel against mom and dad. Now, 
On a rare occasion, I would maybe pray that God take them home. <laughs> but most of the time, I say, Lord, put a hedge of thorns about them. You see, that's what happened to this guy. Begins a hedge of thorns where he's so uncomfortable, where he's totally humiliated, where he's ashamed, where all of his decision begins to hurt, to prick them, so that he wakes up and realizes, hey, this isn't working out the way I thought. Have you ever realized that you might like to go fishing and you got a $5 lure? And as soon as you, you know it, and then they hung up on the bottom. And you're sitting there in the boat. It's hung up on the bottom. You can't get it loose. Let it loose and it folks float away. They don't, nothing happens. Nothing works. Now, you can sit there and hold that thing for the rest of your natural life. Or you can learn to cut your loss and Put another one. That's what I do every time I go with Jim Sizemore. I just, it, it just puts another one on there. Now, he, he's got a knack for doing that there. I, I just hate doing that there. I, I can't tie that little knot with that little nylon, nylon or cat gut or whatever that thing is. But there's some people that are just plain good on how to do these things. And, but sometimes you, you have to just take your loss. Whenever you're serving the Lord, and you have even a child, sometimes it's a husband, sometimes it's a wife, and you've got problems. And the only thing you can do is go ahead and keep you serving the Lord. Don't get hung up on one thing because it may not work out that way. But you don't want something to so paralyze you that you can't move. God's Word says this young man was going to learn some lessons. Jesus is telling this story. And he's telling it because some trusted in themselves that they were righteous. You see, the older son, he believed he was so much better than the son who ran away from home and wasted everything on righteous living. But because the older son didn't do like he did, therefore he wasn't as bad You'd be surprised how many people think they're so much better because, well, I don't live like so-and-so, and I didn't do this like somebody else did. Did you ever think about the sin of pride, which is a thing that God despises? It's because a person, instead of humbling themselves before God, they exalt themselves. And God said, if you exalt yourself, He is going to humble you. But if you humble yourself, He will exalt you. Now, which way you want it? 